0: what's up everybody welcome to giraffe chaff this is episode number 67 my name is zach i'm one of your hosts and joining me as per usual ben fisher how's it going dude
1: Oh, it's going. Uh, it's like week two or three of MTG Midnight, which means all of us are experts on the format by now, and we all know everything about it. Uh, we've all won a million games, and we're ready to have a nice, nuanced conversation about the format.
0: <laughs> yeah, there are no outliers whatsoever, and it's a pretty balanced and, and nice format. You can play every deck and just feel like you're going to come out on top. All right, all the jokes aside, we do have <laughs> some we do have some quick housekeeping, but what we're doing this, this episode is actually our... MTG Mid live draft so we're going to walk through an entire draft we are going to be doing best of 3 I believe so that'll be fun we can kind of go through our thoughts on a traditional draft and then we will build the deck and you'll be hearing the audio we'll walk through it but we'll also upload a video of it uh, to our YouTube channel so that you can walk through visually with us on all the picks as well but before we do our usual housekeeping of course if you're not in the discord already check that out the link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page we have a great community there um, and all sorts of channels for all sorts of different things going on, including EDH and standard historic, any constructive formats you might be interested in, as well as, of course, the limited formats, especially with mid being so popular right now and obviously the most up-to-date format. Uh, we've got a lot over there as well. And if you want to support the show, the best place to do that is on the patreon at patreon.com forward/draftchaffpod. This is our only sponsor at the moment. so huge thanks to all of our patrons that continue to support us in our content creation each week and of course we can't thank you enough it's it's really awesome to have you all along we did recently add our draft doctor perk to the squadron hawk tier so definitely check that out we've we've now done two of our draft doctors again videos coming out shortly on those they're in the editing phase so we'll get those out and uh we'll be excited to see what you guys all think of those but there are other perks as well for the other tiers including stickers show notes unedited recordings of the shows um, as well as our chef heroes sent right to your door, so we do have those, by the way, for the previous set for AFR. So we'll get those out to you. Look for those in the mail soon, if you're a patron.
1: And uh, the biggest Patreon perk of all: if any of you ever see us at an event, uh, I will give you a high five. That that is a, a hidden Patreon tier. It's like the secret menu at McDonald's. Uh, you have to you have to know, but <laughs> if you happen to know. Uh, if you're if you're a listener of the show and you're not a Patreon member, uh, I will not give you a high five. I'll instead only give you a firm handshake and a stern glance.
0: All right. Well, we're going to skip our crack and draft <laughs> thing this week because, well, we're going to crack an entire draft open. So i uh, going to skip that one. But that brings us to our Teferi Tibble. If you're not familiar, this is our Roses and Thorns style of segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. So, Ben, kick us off with your Teferi Tibble here.
1: Oh, uh, well, got some... Fun weekend plans upcoming for my Ferry. Now you're you're involved in some of them. I'll I'll, I'll chime you in, in a little bit. But I'm going to some housewarmings in New York City for some friends of mine that are that have moved into apartments. So I think it's turning into like we're gonna go to one of their apartments and then bar crawl to the other apartment. I think that's the plan. It's gonna it's gonna be something like that, uh, which sounds like a great time for me personally uh, as I enjoy a good drink with friends. So that'll be a good time, and then.
0: I believe the next day, uh, I think we're, we're doing something, some kind of fruit thing. Uh, is that right? <laughs> that is that is the plan. Yeah, we're going to go uh, with our significant others and do some apple picking, which should be quite fun. We're kind of nearing the end of the season for that, so good to get that in. Any of those who checked into last episode knows that Ben is quite the fan of all things autumn, and I myself don't shy away from those things either, so it'll be good to kind of get out there and have some fun uh, picking some fruits. Talk about a what's the pick, huh? Oh gosh! Oh, we should I'm totally gonna do that. that we I'm totally going to make that.
1: that joke so many times that day. This is the first of many. Don't worry, it's never going to get old. Oh, we uh,
0: spend minutes deliberating at each tree. Like, what do you think is the pick here, Ben? And then our, our significant others are just like, "Oh God, why do we bring?" They me? are going to walk away immediately. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I got
1: to play some paper magic, which was fun. I got to hang out after school, play some magic with other teachers, some students. Another teacher walked in, and she was like, what are you guys doing here? This looks like some nerd stuff. And knowing her as a, as a nerd, we were like, come on, you, you'll like this nerd stuff. And and she got a great kick out of it. She did get mana screwed the first game she played, so that was unfortunate. <laughs> but uh, we, we quickly ended that game and played a much more balanced and, and healthy game where she quickly steamrolled me with a... Uh, a I guess a, a mono red deck cobbled together with draft chaff from donations from uh, random sources, including you. So some of your cards were in there and uh, well they beat up on me pretty well. So I guess you get that. Uh, and I, I'm also feeling pretty re-energized for Cube. I actually, uh, I got to hang out with someone that could be listening to the show right now. They're in the Discord. Uh, you know who you are. But uh, a new friend that I, that I met that happened to have a pretty sweet paper cube, uh, some proxies in there, they had a really sweet approach to cube, just putting cool cards in. Not singletons, multiple copies of some cards, but you know, like there, there's jaces, there's bolts in there, but then some cool ones as well. Some stuff that you might not see in the typical cube and the way their mana base worked for cube, it was just true duels and a bunch of other jewels, And you got to add as many as you wanted after the, after the draft. So you could have a mana base of, like, mostly true duels and then maybe a few basics. So basically, like, a legacy or vintage tier mana base and then just all the cards you drafted. I played this sick. It was, like, Jund Blue. Uh, <laughs> it was, like, I pack one, pick one, goif, And then just took a bunch of bolts and random... I think I got, like, a burning... No, no, there's a bunch of stuff in there. It, it, it was all jund. And then there was a Jace the Mind Sculptor. And I was like, wait a minute, I can jam that in here, right? So I got to play some really sweet paper cube for once. And uh, it, it's making me want to take a look at our cube and maybe make some adjustments here and there.
0: Interesting. Interesting. We'll, we'll have to walk through that. My table, I'll keep quick.
1: Uh, my phone just keeps dying. <laughs> it's like the the battery just keeps dying all the time. I think the battery has just gone through too many cycles and it's starting to go. And this phone's older, so I guess, uh, I don't know, I guess I have to buy that. I don't know, that's money though. Maybe I'll just let my phone keep dying. Although you had an interesting uh, suggestion.
0: Yeah, I, I read that this is true. Again, haven't been able to corroborate it, but apparently due to legal reasons, um, if you set your iPhone's... Uh, location like system location to france you will actually get better battery performance because of again laws that they put in place that prevent apple from degradating is that the right word degrading like uh, your your uh, battery life uh, for older devices not sure that it works necessarily but that's what i've heard also in in terms of maintaining good good batteries uh, just you know, fun little draft chaff tech tip here. Uh, the best way to get the most out of your batteries for the longest time is to never let them hit full charge and never let them die. So you always charge to about ninety percent, and then once they hit about fifteen percent, you charge them back up to ninety and just keep them in that ninety to fifteen percent range. And you will actually you can get, you know, if you never um, mess that cycle up, I suppose. Uh, you're getting optimum battery performance you can you can actually get quite a bit longer out of your batteries than otherwise
1: so i have been doing it totally wrong in both directions good to know
0: <laughs> yeah I, to be fair i don't quite i don't even quite follow that advice myself because i typically charge my phone overnight and so it'll just sit mm-hmm. on the charger and charge all night
1: mm-hmm. the notion of waking up to my, my phone dead rather than my phone's alarm is too scary for me not to charge it overnight. So,
0: yeah. So, for me, uh, this week, my Teferi is that I had an interesting work trip. I was out in Long Island actually this week, earlier in this week, for a training workshop, which was fun. I got to go in person and uh, meet with one of my coworkers who also came for the trip, which is fun for me because I don't work in person. So, uh, getting to see coworkers is always a good time and uh, we had a great chat and learned a lot so it was, it was a good it was a good day good uh, few days actually it was it was tuesday and wednesday my tibble unfortunately is that it's actually twofold i got the dates wrong on that trip and so i booked the hotel a day <laughs> early i thought it was monday tuesday but it was actually tuesday wednesday so i booked the hotel for monday tuesday and ended up having to extend the trip and then uh Sunday, Monday night, my wife actually had a pretty big medical scare, and I'm not going to go into any of the details here, but it was pretty scary, and I ended up having to go back home Tuesday after work for a bit to kind of um, uh, help her cope, or actually that was Monday, uh, help her cope, and then uh, I went back to the trip for Tuesday overnight and then came back today. So yeah, it's uh, it, was, it was a scary, scary early part of the week, but um, we're through it. It seems like everything is back to normal in regards to her health and all that. So yeah kind of where we're at nice
1: glad uh, glad she's doing better
0: yeah thanks all right on to our listener question of the week this week our question comes from pizza hand in the discord and the question is as the format has evolved have you found it to be grindier what are some tips you have in those situations and just go wide get it done instead of this like typical sort of grindy fest that's going on
1: i personally have had a shift in my approach to the format i thought originally that it was uh, a bit grindier than it was i then realized the green late game decks weren't really where you want to be and then i kind of swung back in the other direction of going pretty hard aggro the fact that blue and black which can be you know more neutral or controlling colors are pretty aggressive in this format made it such that aggro was kind of the thing to do and i really like blue black i really like red white and everything else i am a little bit lower on i haven't had too much personal success with uh with blue-white, which I know is a solid combo. And I've heard blue-red is sneaking up there, too. I just need to draft these more. So it sounds like blue is just, you know, where you want to be. Isn't it always? <laughs> well, yeah, okay, maybe for some people. But not all of us are masochists. So uh, I-, I think part of the format is, in a weird way, you can make the games grindier, depending on the matchup. So if you are against maybe like a like a black white deck versus a blue white deck, those types of games can grind out because there's a lot of tiny creatures, a lot of little flashback and disturb spells that kind of provide both players natural card advantage. And I don't know, then the game can just tend to stall out. Someone drops like a flyer someone drops their flyer they they don't they they kind of bounce off each other maybe the board is getting locked down by a three mana three three but then the opponent is able to start building out uh which in which case going wide can actually get it done uh, whether that's through making a million decayed tokens or through actually just drawing a bunch of cards and getting all your creatures funnily enough it's a little harder to go wide in some cases because disturbed creatures they they it's not like it draws you another creature that you can play in addition to the first one it draws you a creature when the first one dies so it depending on the order sometimes it's not so uh, this is a long and meandering answer that essentially says i still like playing aggro but in some games it is more correct to draw it into a long game but the ultimate answer is it does boil down to your deck's vector right if your deck wants to win the game fast try to win the game fast if the if your deck wants to win the game slower Try to draft cards that help win the game slower.
0: Yeah, I think overall, I found that the format hasn't necessarily gotten any more grindy than it was originally. I think pretty quickly, everybody realized blue blue black was where you wanted to be. Like I, I think we were talking about it like the day after the format dropped. So yeah, I don't I don't think that's shifted at all. I think we've we've understood red green really isn't where you want to be. Black red really isn't where you want to be, and then those other decks that you mentioned red white blue red and a little bit of green-white occasionally, but mostly uh, the other variations of blue, blue-white as well, have been recognized as like, okay, these are actually things you can do. And then now the biggest thing we've been seeing as in terms of like an evolution of the format is this, the red spells package and understanding how best to leverage that with other colors. And so we're seeing things like red-white, spell-slinger, and, and uh, blue-red as well, kind of picking up speed and popularity as well. And I, I think... I think that doesn't necessarily change the grindiness of the format because some of the time those decks are sort of linear and they just do what they want to do and what your opponent does doesn't really matter all that much. Uh, The red-white versions of that deck tend to care more about getting creatures through and in that case, you know, it can be kind of grindy but the grindy cards in the blue-black decks are kind of spells that do something, maybe the removal or whatever and then they just happen to generate zombies as well so it's not really grindy per se They just give you a bunch of extra creatures. They're kind of going wide for you. And then you have cards like Siege Zombie, which are actually uh, making use of uh, all those extra creatures that you're generating just as added value. So I don't know that uh, that's also kind of a long and meandering answer. I don't know that I would say that it's gotten more grindy. I I think it's pretty much the same as it's been since we saw the beginnings of the format. I don't think going wide really does answer anything here because most of the time, well, actually, no, I take that back. Because the formats or the, the games that you find yourself needing to go wide are typically against, like, a bunch of zombies facing you down, and you're racing the yeah. zombies, and they can't block. So going wide actually helps quite nicely there because the creatures who can block are only blocking one or two other creatures because they don't have that many others. Um, so that can, be, that can be a good strategy. I don't think going wide is actually that easy to do if you're not making zombies, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tougher yeah in terms of general tips for like what to do in a situation where the format gets grindy it's like find ways to cut the grind or go over the top of the grind so either figure out how to put the flyer's deck together so when your opponent's coming up the board it doesn't matter or figure out what that red spells package does and how to best leverage that so you can do your own kind of degenerate thing that blue black is is doing and in this case blue black's degenerate thing is card advantage really
1: yeah, I guess there's some decks that can play a more controlling game, blue-black being one of them. Blue-black just has so much depth in this format. It can play out like a control deck, or it can play out like an aggro deck in the same deck, like just depending on your hand. I think that depending on the matchup, sometimes you want to race your opponent. Sometimes you would rather grind them out if your your decks are about the same speed. If you happen to have this more like mid-range or control-y grind fest, whatever. But I found one of the best ways of beating these uh, over-the-top uh, nonsense, blue-black, doing a million zombies, activating Siege Zombie a bunch of times. You can use the extra cards that you get in red-white to your advantage. Now, this, this goes back to one of my favorite ways of winning the game of Magic. Out-card-advantaging your opponent by killing them with a bunch of cards in their hand. So if you spend all your cards and you get into zero cards in hand, it doesn't matter if you're getting a little bit of card disadvantage or even if your cards are weaker overall against your opponents, like card for card, if they die when they have three cards left in their hand, well, I mean, they never got to make use of them, right? So you you were playing a more efficient tempo plan, I suppose. Now, what I found to be cool about Red White is that something like the Elementalist can get back a, a, a slash. Now that is a bit of card advantage, and it's the kind of card advantage that you want at the top end of a red-white deck. It's the kind of card advantage that can help get you that extra one or two cards drawn you need to close out a game against maybe a blue-black deck with really good card quality, which this blue-black deck happens to have in this format. So I don't know. I have a feeling red, uh, red-white might be the blue-black killer. I've had a lot of success with it personally. And... Uh, I'm not saying I'm going to try to force it during our draft here, but I don't know. If, if we open a REM Remcarolus, I mean,
0: <laughs> who knows? Well, that's a great segue. Why don't we get into it? We've got a Midnight Hunt live draft that we're going to go through. We're doing traditional, as mentioned before. So we're going to kind of comb through this and then again, check out and follow along with us on the YouTube channel to kind of see the visuals of what we're doing here.
1: Right now, I, I prefer the best of three in this format. I don't know. Uh, ladder has just felt a little whatever recently. Uh, I, I think in best of three, this gives you access to a bunch of the cool sideboard cards. Draven Exorcism is one of the neater sideboard cards we've
0: seen in a while, right? Uh, Yeah, it is. All right. So we're jumping into the draft here. Yeah, I guess you're expect- you're hoping to open that Rem Carolus, yeah?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh actually I think the the Moonvale region is one of my favorite cards to start with in the format. Of course, opening a a specific mythic, I, I can't be too hopeful to to just pick a random one. I have really liked red in this format. I don't know. Uh, it, people are down on it. Everyone's trying to get this blue black nonsense going. You can get these uh these lightning bolts like fifth,
0: sixth, seventh pick sometimes. Yeah, and you just snap those up. Yeah, that's that's true. This is um An interesting format in that way. You know, I I don't think it's quite as solved as as we originally thought it was. Blue-black is definitely the deck to beat, but there are other ways to win games.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, again, best of three here has some really cool sideboard options. Uh, I really like the flexibility in best of three. And now that we're getting back into paper magic, it's time to start readjusting to the, the typical tournament structure. Looks like we are firing our draft, and our pack one has a nice card in it. Right out the gate, we have Adeline Resplendent Cathar, which, if you've checked the 17 lands numbers, has been doing pretty well recently. We have an Odrix Outrider, an Overwhelmed Archivist, and a Turn the Earth is our own commons. Commons of note include Flip the Switch, Lunark Veteran, Candle Grove Witch, Novice Occultist, and
0: that's about it. I'm just slamming the Adeline here, right? Yeah, that seems like a great, great start. If we end up in the red-white decks, then, you know, that'll be great. Uh, We did pass Candle Witch, the Candle Grove Witch, and a Lunark Veteran, which I I know Lunark Veteran is pretty polarizing at this point, but, you know. (laughs) Oh, boy.
1: You'll never guess what we just got past. An aggressive red one-drop called Falconwrath Pit Fighter, which I've had a ton of success with as well. This is a nice little one-drop. This can attack in for like six points of damage over the course of the game. There's also a Moonrager Slash in this pack. And the funny thing is, the only white card in the pack is a Sungold Barrage, which I am absolutely not taking pick two. Uh, Other cards of note, a Vampire Socialite, Mystic Skull. Looks like an uncommon was taken from this pack, pick one. Uh, Bird Admirer... Path of the Festival, Immolation. There's some junk in here. I'm taking the Pit Fighter, dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess... Uh, I'm I'm curious if the Pit Fighter is is a higher value card than the Moonrager Slash here. I guess it is. I, I don't think we're actually turning on the... the like, I guess we could cash it uh, itself in at some point, but we're probably yeah. not going to be playing too many vampires if you're in red-white. The thing is about the Pit
1: Fighter, what it doesn't say on its face, it, it's just a divination sometimes. It is a... Oh my oh, you goodness. You've got to be joking. You have got to be joking. We just got past Adeline. A second copy of Adeline Resplendent Cathar. And in the pack, there's a Chaplain of Alms, a Gavany Silversmith, and a Lunark Veteran. We're drafting white, dude. This is going
0: to be great. So this is oh, definitely man. a white, looking like a white draft. Other cards to note in the pack, <laughs> though. There is a Defenestrate. Mm-hmm. Um That's kind of... There's devious cover-up, but that's kind of it. Actually, the rest of the pack's pretty bad. I'm kind of stunned. Two people looked
1: at a pack and said, "No, <laughs> we don't want Adeline." I guess which that shows had a
0: great card. That just wow. shows how uh, low people are on white right now.
1: The pack gets even weirder. We just got past Croaking Counterpart, which I guess if we just go for the full rare draft, I can get four picks in taking only rares. <laughs> now, uh, other stuff in this pack, we have a Faithful Mending, Gavany Trapper, and Soul Guide Griff are in white. Green is looking like uh, it's got some stuff. We've got a Duel for Dominance and a Harvest Tide Sentry. Other things in the pack, Falcon Abomination, Neonate's Rush, and a Gale Drifter. Hmm. Could Blue-White be
0: open here? Blue-White might be open. I think, I mean, Abomination's definitely a good blue card. It's probably the best card in the pack, mm. full stop. Uh, so I'd probably just take that here. We don't have to play red, and Blue-White is a perfectly serviceable deck. Um, yeah, yeah. And maybe we get the Griff as well. Uh, otherwise, it's you know, Galedrift is a fine a card. Too. It does the disturb stuff, but Falcon Abomination is a solid pickup. In our next pack, we see a Consider, another Falcon Abomination, Gaviny Trapper, another Lunark Veteran, so that's the third of those we've seen, and a Vampire Socialite. This is an interesting pack. I think I'd just take the, ab- the second Abomination. Uh, maybe the first Consider is worth taking over the second Abomination, but I think you just want... You just want the abomination here. We are going to start being heavy on three drops, so that's something to keep keep in mind. Uh, but now,
1: hear me out. I really think I want to cut off white. Two Adelines is just so tough to pass up. I almost want to take the veteran here. Veteran pairs so well with with Adeline. Uh, she just makes a bunch of human tokens, and we want things to play before Adeline. I hate passing the abomination, but I'm going to take the veteran here. Try to start cutting white off. Now uh, it's looking like we may swing back the other way. Black seems to have been cut entirely from this pack. We have a fading hope left in this pack. Uh, there's a moonrager slash, a duel for dominance. Consider some junk.
0: White's also cut from this pack, although it might not. It might just not have had many white cards in it. We've been getting past good white, so I don't expect uh, that people are cutting white from us. I think the mm-hmm. big question. I think you just take the slash here um yeah i agree we're not sold on blue just yet even though we're seeing good blue cards come our way a couple of falcon abominations and a couple of considers but moon ranger slash is just too good
1: Mm -hmm. now in the next pack we see a kessig naturalist interesting uh maybe that's a nice sign that red is open down the line but red green isn't something we want to jump in now we have two double white rares wow what a start to the pack i mean i'm already really happy if we wind up in some kind of red white deck like i said not forcing But we have in the pack uh, Homestead Courage, Hedge Witch's Mask, some kind of trash white cards. But there's a Lunark Veteran, which I'd like to pick up here.
0: Yeah, I think that's fine. There's really nothing else for us. And in the next pack, we see a Search Party Captain, which is pretty great for the white decks. And there's Gavany Trapper as well, but I think you just slam the, the Search Party Captain here. This is exactly what this deck wants yep
1: a bunch of little white cards that are coming our way now there is a rise of the ants Uh, besides that there's nothing notable some trash raise the effigy secrets of the key which okay that one you can you can play if you're going deep in blue spells but otherworldly gaze i haven't loved rise of the ants is a strong way to solidify your your board presence in the late game but i'm just gonna take the search party captain we are going to want to look out for these gaveny trappers later on ah nice uh we just got back our opening pack uh, still remaining is Turn the Earth, Candle Grove Witch, Flip the Switch, Otherworldly Gaze, Abandon the Post, and Candlelit Cavalry. I'm going to take the Witch here, right? Going
0: Veteran, Witch, Adeline? That's an awesome curve out. Oh yeah, that's great. Turns Coven on, and uh, you really can't get much better than that in, in terms of your curve for the white decks. Pick 10 here. There's really nothing. It's a literally all black and green
1: cards, and none of them are even noteworthy. Bird admirers probably the best thing in the pack. I'll hate draft it. We want less Bird Admirers because they're pretty good against the aggressive white strategy. Now, this is about where we started to see uh, less white cards in the first go around. I'm going to take an abandon the post. Um, otherworldly Gaze, Crawl from the Cellar, Howl the Hunt. Uh, I'll take the, the first Abandon the Post. I like having access to that. Wow, we wield the croaking counterpart, but there is a duel for dominance in this pack. Is there a world where we open a green bomb and go into green-white? I don't think so. I'm taking the
0: counterpart. We're getting that that sweet gem value. Green does uh, seem... Just, wow, that's a late eccentric farmer too. Pick 13. Oh, green does okay. seem really open, and there's a last yeah. pick duel for dominance. We might end up in, in white-green, potentially. Like We're not sold on any of our... We would like to play red with some of the cards we've picked up so far but we're not really sold on our second color yet
1: that being said we did just open a curse of leeches as our rare this is a very nice one uh drains people out and the four four lifelinker can really swing games uh other things in this pack ominous roost infernal grasp and seize the storm are our uncommons we're not deep enough into like red white spells to try to seize the storm or anything uh things in this pack include search party captain morning patrol flare of faith brimstone vandal and neonates rush in our colors other notable cards are uh geist wave startle it's about it there's a jack-o'-lantern but uh what are we taking here I'm, I'm torn the curse is nice but you know we got cut from black pretty tough uh, i'm almost on the search party captain or the morning patrol
0: yeah that's what i was looking at originally too i don't think we want the leeches and season storm would be nice to build around if we end up in the the spells deck but if it if it, we don't get there we don't get there Oh wow, and green is oh, definitely wow. open. We just got past the pack two pick two and seven. Maybe you just <laughs> grab that. Uh what else is in the pack here? I mean Uh this is
1: quite the draft table, isn't it? We've got a Bereaved Survivor, which is a nice little card. Rip right now I can get back Lunark Veteran or Candle Grove Witch. In our colors, Soul Guide Griff, Ritual Guardian, Burn the Accursed, Famished Foragers, Pack's Betrayal, but I mean we only have two red cards. That we wanted to play, moon rager Slash and Falconrath Pit Fighter,
0: and Green has been I, open.
1: Like we have a Am I really getting farmer, punished?
0: A duel for dominance. I think you just take the Run in Seven and then look to actually be playing Green instead of Red.
1: I mean, Red and Seven is an awesome card. I, am I actually going to get punished for not taking that Duel of Dominance for taking the croaking counterpart over it? Oh man, <laughs> I can't Maybe. believe it. uh I'm going to take the Renin Seven. It's just the highest EV pick right now. I mean. I, I mean, it, it's just really good. It's a Planeswalker. It it makes these tokens, these tree folk that are just so brutal to beat. Um, plus, this is best of three. so uh, I You're don't really know. getting I, punished I, for I'm not taking the desert. Rise of Ants. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that would have been a good pickup too. Um, here in this pack, we have a Dryads, Revival, a Ritual Guardian, a Cathar's Call, which I have not liked at all. I still want to keep our pretty aggressive slant though. Um, what do you think? Maybe a Timberland guide. Uh, guide there's a Tireless Caller, Dawnheart Rejuvenator. There's also an E-Wilds if we wanted to try to splash, but splashing an aggressive card like the Pit Fighter is not when you want to be. I'm going to take the Timberland guide, and, well, we're getting rewarded for moving to green, because green-white is clearly open and coming from this direction. Uh, expecting in pack three to get past some more white cards. Maybe we're just going to end up like close to mono-white and then playing red and seven uh, with... I don't yeah, know, a bunch of good white stuff, too. Another Cathar's Call, which, again, I mentioned, not really a huge fan of. But there's a Hound Tamer, which I love. Another Lunark Veteran, a Ritual Guardian, a Soul Guide Griff, a Timberland Guide, and it looks like blue is pretty much cut. Uh, no good black cards in this pack, either. I'm going to take the Hound Tamer here. That's the 3-mana three 3-3 three, three trample that can put counters on stuff. Big fan of that guy.
0: Yeah, so this is an interesting pack here. We see a Shadow Beast Sighting, which is a fantastic card in the green decks. We also see a Candle Trap and an Unruly Mob in white. There's a Flesh Taker in the pack, too, but we're really far from playing black. And green has just been so open. I think we are really doing ourselves a disservice if we don't end up playing green. I'd just be on the the Shadow Beast sighting here. Mm -hmm.
1: Now, uh, this isn't usually where you're at in drafts like this. You never... (laughs) I mean, you don't pivot like this that often. This isn't your everyday draft. However, I am getting redeemed. I We mean, just got past another Rise of the Ants. Now this deck, what's, what does this deck want to do? It wants to attack and make a bunch of tokens, right? Adeline can pump out tokens. Rise of the Ants can pump out tokens. Is this green-white token's life gain? I mean, we have seems two like Lunar it. Veterans.
0: Yeah, it seems like it. You're going to want to gain a ton of life, Get in, chip in the damage where you can, use your run in 7 to get value off the tokens. And just, just make as much as you can. Now here, in in pick seven here, we see a Ritual of Hope. There's also an E Wilds in this pack, which I wouldn't hate picking up just to have one. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's uh, kind of a, a neither here nor there thing. But Ritual of Hope with all these tokens is going to be phenomenal.
1: Yeah, there's also a Defend the Celestis, but... It's, I mean, sometimes Ritual of Hope will do the same thing, but better. Nothing else really of note in this pack. There's a Clarion Cathars, but I think the Timberland Guide is just better. Uh, wow, there's a Rockfall Veil, vale, which I guess we could that actually, I think take it.
0: Yeah, I think that's worth picking up here because there's nothing else really going on in this pack. There's Our, our other options are like a Falcon uh, Vildaren Stinger, Bird Admirer, and like a Dryads Revival. And this actually gives us the ability to potentially splash red
1: maybe that Rager Slash ends up making it in. We're getting into some of the dredges of the stuff here. There's a Morning Patrol, which I do like. Might be the pickup here. There's a Flare of Faith. There's a good number of humans in this deck, but I think I'm on the Morning Patrol. This has inherent card advantage built into it. It's just a solid little common. Uh, I'm going to slam that thing here and move on to pick 10. Got a Soul Guide Griff, Ritual Guardian, Stormrider Spirit, Pax Betrayal, and Plummet are left.
0: Uh, I don't know. None of these are great. Yeah, maybe just take the Griff, and it, it might not make the cut, but... It's another five drop for a curve. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's looking like a nice thing to have here. Uh, we got another Dryad's Revival. Now this deck can attack starting from turn two and turn three. I don't know if Revival's really what we want, but there's nothing else in this pack. I'm just gonna take it, put it in the sideboard.
0: It does get ants, the Rise of Ants back, uh, so you can cast mm, it kind of yeah. three times, I guess.
1: I guess the better our individual card quality, uh, perhaps getting back Run and Seven as the card kind of depicts. I'm gonna pick up some junk at the end here: an unruly mob, a blessed defiance, and okay, <laughs> our final uh, our final rare that we get to see is Angel Fire Ignition. Now I don't know. Uh, <laughs> is that where Is being this the, Red the Spot? correct chick? Um. So other things in this pack, we have another Ritual of Hope uh covetous castaway and obsessive astronomer are uncommons that one i don't think is worth splashing red for uh clarion is in this pack we got a trapper another lunark veteran uh, uh uh green stuff is tapping at the window return to nature i don't know dude here's the thing if you're listening to this podcast you know what we're about and that means you know that I already took the Angel Fire Ignition, and then I already took the rem Carolis that got passed to us. Oh my
0: gosh, what a deck. We really want to find E-Wilds. Oh, like, uh, i
1: I can't be stopped.
0: At this point, you kind of want to pick up as many E-Wilds as you can find. There's an Eccentric Farmer in this pack here. We also see a Cathar Commando and a uh, Defender Celestis. Um, I think I'd maybe just take the Farmer. Doesn't the Farmer help with our... Um, yeah, I mean it kinda GPs helps <laughs> it kinda helps with their mana. A little bit, sort of. I don't know. This is a bit of a weird pack. Mm-hmm. Maybe you okay, want to defend I, the Celestis. I think you're I, only splashing for the, the red white cards now. Maybe you don't play the Moon Rager Slash or the Falcon Wrath Pit Fighter.
1: Okay, I, I went a little bit nuts there, but yeah, I think I'm gonna take the farmer here. Uh the, the Cathar commando, I wouldn't mind coming back. We only have uh four things to do on turn two. And now I'm just really confused because we just got past a Ludovic and a Blade Stitch scab. So I I can only assume that uh the, the other people in our draft pod simply do not want good decks. This is all that I can assume. Um things in this pack that we might want. Honestly, nothing. Green got kind of cut off, at least the mono green cards. There's a Winterthorn blessing. In white, we see a blessed defiance and a hedge, Witch's mask. There's nothing here, dude. Can I just rare draft the Ludovic? Yeah, I would just rare draft the Ludovic, yeah. <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. Rare draft away. Uh, Here in our next pack. Wow, it seems we've been cut. I feel like people may have pivoted off of blue and black. Maybe a bunch of people started drafting it at once. We've got a Pithing Needle. We've got a Lunar Frenzy. Devoted Graph Keeper. Soul Guide Griff. Devious Cover-Up. Locked in the Cemetery. Shady Traveler. Festival Crasher. I don't think we want any of these cards.
0: (laughs) Can I take take the Pithing Needle?
1: (laughs) I'm getting so much value off of this draft. Wow, and our next pack has not a single white or a green card.
0: I'm floored. Yeah, this is a very strange draft. I think we made it seem like green was too open in the first pack, and then somehow we got hooked up in pack two and then lost it in pack three. I don't know. This is really weird because we just we just aren't getting any white or green cards now, and even the red cards we're seeing aren't that great.
1: Mm-hmm. People seem to be passing infinite soul guide griffs. We're, we're running out of space for all these. Uh, as far as two drops, we are a little bit low. I'm glad we picked up the Lunarch Veterans. This is a, a deck that is going a little bit off the rails, kind of without too much fault of our own. I mean, we expected to get some white cards and I suppose here's some. Uh, there's a clear shot, which we could use another removal spell or two. We're looking at 16 creatures, seven spells right now. I don't mind this Clarion Cathars or the Ritual Guardian either. What do you think?
0: I mean, the Cathars plays into the tokens theme. Um, and the ritual guardian, I mean, Coven's probably something we can turn on relatively r- relatively easily, but we d- don't have that many 4-drops. Our curve's kind of heavy in the 3-drop slot.
1: Oh, well, we just got hooked up. I accidentally uh, auto-picked the clear shot, which I think we probably could use. Our removal's a little light. Now, here's all the cards we wanted. Ritual of Hope, Clarion Cathars, and a Lunarch Veteran here. Uh, probably just want to take the Lunarch Veteran as another thing to play early. Or maybe the Cathars. I don't know. Let's just see what it's going to auto-pick. Uh, Cathars, it picked. That's fine. Uh, there's a Harvest Tide Sentry here, which I think is also the pickup here. Just another 2-drop. We're a little bit light on those right now. Now, it's just a 2-mana 3-1. That that whole Coven thing may or may not get turned on super effectively. Uh, here in our last few picks, we wield old stick fingers, and there's a Defend the Celestis, a Startle, and a Tireless Hauler. To be honest, I haven't loved any of these. I'm rare drafting at this point. I'm just going for the maximum number of rares I can possibly get. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how many rares are in this?
0: There are a lot of rares in this draft, and we've seen more than you've taken, too. Mm-hmm. Uh So that is quite
1: the deck that we have going for us here. Naya yeah, Token, it seems. Now, I do think I want to play red. Angel Fire, and Ign- Angel Fire Ignition and Rem Kireless, I do believe, are worth playing. Falcon Wrath Pit Fighter, I do not believe is worth splashing for. Obsessive Astronomer, also not. Moon Rager Slash,
0: uh... Huh. I think think Slash is worth the Splash. I don't know if we Splash for it, though. Uh, What does Mm. our removal suite look like? We have the Clear Shot and the Clear Shot? Like, we don't have any other removal, do we?
1: We have Clear Shot, we have Duel for Dominance. we do have the Duel for Dominance. And besides that, our spells really center in token making. We have a Rise of the Ants, a Shadow Beast Sighting.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's pretty much it. Yeah, maybe we... I I like having the Slash as an extra removal spell, but maybe we just cut it and hope to just go wide and hope our opponents are... Like, we're able to deal with their creatures by just killing them.
1: Um, We do actually have an Unruly Mob, which can pair decently well with all these tokens that we're going to be making. That's true.
0: Yeah, I don't hate mob in this deck. I'd probably cut the slash. Um, Angel Fire Ignition and Rem Carolus Keral- are going to be hard enough to splash for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have the one uh, red green rare, which is nice. Helps that splash quite a bit. And then we have two eccentric farmers, actually. There's one in on your board that maybe we bring in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. We're not maybe really doing a whole lot of self mill. Yeah, this deck doesn't care too much about that. This kind of looks like a white-green mid-range deck. Now, okay, I did manage to get my red-white stuff in there. And for the when it was unclear, uh I there was an Angel Fire Ignition that got passed. Or that, that got opened, rather, and then Rem Carless that got passed. And uh I, I may have dropped the gun a little bit there. I do actually think they were the correct picks. Um and we can go back and look at the 17 Lands log. But like, these are some power level cards. I love them a lot. Uh also. Maybe I don't win every game with this deck but I'm going to have a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think realistically is this is this a trophy deck? Probably not. I mean, you have all the rares in the entire freaking world. So maybe you just you just do the thing um and you just outvalue your opponents because your card quality is just really high. It, maybe it doesn't get there, but it seems like this is a solid deck. I'm wondering how much more powerful would the deck be if you were drafting green earlier? Like if you took the second Duel for Dominance, I think we'd really have mm-hmm. liked to see that. And the second Rise of the Ants, would you play both?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm. I will admit, I think my biggest failure of this draft was uh, not picking that Duel for Dominance. I, I took the rare because or I, I I just was going for the gem value. So look, we're realistic arena drafters. We know that sometimes the gem value is worth it in EV. We did not expect to get past that Ren and Seven, and we did not play into it very well. We did not draft with that accordingly. If this had been a uh, tournament setting, I think it would have been correct by far to draft the Duel for Dominance, and clearly we would have gotten rewarded because, look, we pivoted fully into green, and if we had like stayed in red-white, we would have picked up the Angel Fire Ignition and the Rem Carolus, but there was very little red-white in pack two or pack three. Uh, besides yeah. the Angel Fire Ignition and the Rem Careless, and I think that was just because the people directly to our right and two spots to our right just weren't playing Red White. Now, this was a, a bizarre draft too. We saw a Ludovic and uh, a, a Scab get passed, so I guess people pivoted off Blue Black after all. Uh, so something clearly was funky about our draft table. That being said, I think this was pretty well navigated. Uh, the final deck, we have two Lunark veterans. Candle Grove Witch, Ritual of Hope, Unruly Mob, Duel for Dominance, Harvest Tide Sentry, Timberland Guide. So, what, six creatures to play uh, b- before turn three? That's pretty solid. In the three drop slot, we have Morning Patrol, two copies of Adeline Resplendent Cathar, Clear Shot, Eccentric Farmer, Hound Tamer, Angel Fire Ignition, Rem Carolus. Four drops, we have Clarion Cathars, Search Party Captain, that's two copies, Shadow Beast Sighting. Up to 5-drop, we have a soul guide Griff, Ren and 7. And in the 6-drop, a Lonely Rise of the Ants. I don't know, dude. This looks like a really fun deck to play. Will it necessarily outvalue all of the blue-black nonsense that I'm probably going to face up against? Maybe not. Uh, am I going to really love playing this deck? Yes. And if that's not why you're listening to this podcast, I don't know what to tell you.
0: <laughs> well, that about does it for us this week. Thanks so much for listening. We really enjoy it. If you're... Of course, not in it already, check out the Discord. We'll be posting the logs and stuff there, as well as on the YouTube video, as well as in the episode description. So check all those things out. If you want to see the full 17 land lo- 17 lands log, as well as uh check out that full video version of the draft. And if you want to support the show once again, we'd really love you to check out the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod and just spread the show around. Getting more listeners is always good. And we really appreciate you all for taking your time to listen to this show. And uh, yeah, that does it for us. We'll talk to you next week.
1: See you later. So I did a final count. Ten rares, just in case anybody was wondering.
0: Dear God. Did that include the land?
1: It did. It did. Okay, okay. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I guess rares and mythics, if you include Ren and Seven, which is is quickly becoming the bane of standard. That and its buddy, Asika's Chariot. Speaking of cats and Asika's Chariot, um, I I have a bit of a sidetrack for you. Um, actually, before we talk about that, you know how magic players they love talking about like ethical gray areas, Oh yeah. uh, or or like, uh, a lot of magic players. We're like a bunch of us are STEM nerds. Not everyone, of course. Uh, there's there's exceptions, but a disproportionate number of magic players are STEM nerds. Are like arguing in logic and um, maxing and mining and, and eving and all that good stuff, right? So yep. I have a bit of a uh, puzzle for us to solve okay. more of an ethical dilemma is it morally acceptable for somebody to promote a contest on a podcast not necessarily this one uh is it morally acceptable for uh, a podcast host with like an audience of say i don't know two to four hundred listeners on average uh, so someone around our size is it ethical for them to uh share out a contest that requires them to get like the most number of clicks or, or upvotes or views or whatever it might be because they're, they're playing to their audience. They expect their audience might, you know, like them and might, uh, respond to the poll, uh, slash contest thing. Is this an ethical
0: problem or not? Um, I guess do we, is the contest run slash created by said content creators? No, no. This is a contest that
1: the uh, the content creators want to win, and in order to win, they have to get the most number of like upvotes or shares or whatever. And they are opening it up to their audience in order to try to get a larger pool. Is this uh, morally acceptable?
0: If it's not, if there's no stipulation in the contest that says you cannot share information about this contest, I don't see that to be morally repugnant at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, it's perfectly... Just perfectly acceptable to like you would tell your friends in that situation the only way for you to win said contest is to tell other people to vote for you right unless those people yeah, are already exactly. aware of said contest and you would tell your friends and I feel at least speaking from the content creator side we've built a community I feel pretty friendly with a lot of the people in our discord and so I would mm-hmm. feel no no issues going to the discord and being like hey we're trying to win this thing if you if you feel like doing so we'd love the vote or whatever, because then it's on it's on them to actually make that decision to go do it. If they don't do it, they don't do it. That's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Um, again, this was just a total aside. I, I didn't really want to, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here. Um, this wasn't a thing that was trending on magic Twitter or anything like that, but, um, totally unrelated topic. Oh uh, gosh. <laughs> so, um, my girlfriend's apartment entered their pet cats into trusty tales of the year. <laughs> 2021 (laughs) and they are the cutest little kittens you've ever seen if you want you can go vote for Kiba and Clove